Tales from the SaaS Graveyard, where we talk to employees at tech companies that are in the middle of the bell curve, not going out of business, but definitely not hitting the big time. The SaaS Graveyard is a purgatory populated by companies that made it to annual revenues in the 30 to 50 million range, but can't get to the next level, which is pretty impressive outside of Silicon Valley, but it's frowned upon here. We interview folks in various roles about their experience working at companies like this. We're looking to see what common themes emerge across industries and roles. Today, we'll spend time with our friend, Mr. G, who spent who worked in sales for a company that sold software to law firms. Now, Jake, have you ever had a job in sales? Uh, yeah, so one of my first jobs out of college was working for a small um, uh, organic foods company. And so I was really passionate about the product. Um, and so I really loved, like, I would even do demos in stores about the product. And I'd talk, like, talk to consumers. Uh, I'd talk to the stores. I'd talk to distributors and really enjoy that aspect of, uh, explaining like why this is something that they should either purchase for themselves or stock in their store, um, and so it wasn't a role that I sought out. Um, it sort of I took a job that was supposed to be more around operations, and it just turned into sales. Uh, but I did that for two years. Wait, Jake, it sounds like you love this role, and I know that you're now a product manager. Why did why did you quit? Well, so I, I I just talked about the part that I really loved about the job, but I as um, the company was growing and the longer I was in it, there was a lot of aspects I didn't like about the job, and that was you know negotiating about prices. So saying you know if you buy ten cases, I can give you a fifteen percent discount, um, and also there was a lot of relationship building. And I'm more of an introvert, and I didn't really I couldn't see myself um, doing that on a regular basis as part of my career of you know, being friendly with people who I didn't, maybe didn't necessarily like. Uh, so I enjoyed the experience. I'm glad I had it. Um, but I knew it wasn't my long-term career. How about you? Have you done anything in sales? The only thing I've done in my role that was kind of like sales was when I was running the donation phone for my high school. So pretty much, you know, just cold calling alumni, asking for donations. Realistically, most of it was not asking for donations and just hearing the ringtone and then getting to voicemail um, and getting a few people to answer just to say, hey, please don't call me ever again. Um, I did have this one opportunity that there was a hot lead for a college I wanted to go to. The president of that college went to my high school, but unfortunately that hot lead went to another caller. Uh, so I didn't get to leverage that. Now, that all sounds pretty rough. Um, did that scare you away from ever thinking about pursuing something in sales or were you open to it after that experience? I think, you know, it scared me good. You know, I was just kind of pacing around a staff member's office kind of with the on speakerphone, just waiting for someone to pick up. It was very much like a very exciting moment when someone did, but the time in between was too much for me. And that was my last sales experience. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about us. Let's talk to a true sales professional. Mr. G, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to um, sharing more. All right, so we're, we're going to get into your, your time at your doc. But before we do, what were you doing professionally before uh, joining there? Yeah, so um, right out of college, I was doing some finance work um, at a nonprofit and then at a bank. I took a break from corporate life for a little bit and um, actually worked at a farm-to-table restaurant um, for about two years. And then right before I joined your doc, um, I was, uh, also doing sales. Um, it was more of a full cycle position, um, in the pharmaceutical industry. 
And so when you when you were looking for a job, what what was it that you were looking for? Yeah, I was looking um, definitely both for stability and growth opportunities uh, in terms of career. Uh, the previous position that I had, um, there wasn't any upward mobility. The industry, um, we there's just like not much innovation in the vitamin industry, at least the part I was in that interested me at all. Um, so I definitely wanted a career that was also engaging. And that's definitely why I kind of looked towards the tech field and also have some friends, uh, a fair amount of friends who work in the tech industry. Um, and then also just from talking with friends and a couple of people that they put me in touch with, I just saw a lot of career growth opportunity at something that I felt I was pretty decent at. And so then how did you first hear about your doc? I think just a job posting. Yeah, originally. So originally there was a job posting. Um, I'm trying to remember the order. I did actually connect with one of a uh, uh, classmate, um, alumni classmate from the same year as me from college who was working at a company that um, was acquired by the company that your doc owned. Um, well, I guess we can call that that other company my doc. Um, <laughs> so my doc owned your doc, and uh, he worked at a different company that had been acquired by my doc. Um, so he got to tell me about like the parent company kind of, um, I guess, leadership. He had a lot of good things to say overall about the parent company and the direction that they were heading in. And I kind of viewed the position at your doc as a leg into my doc. Got it. And so what did the interview, what was the interview process like? Um, So I originally interviewed for an account executive position. Um, I believe I had one pretty quick phone. Oh yeah. I had a quick phone interview with um, one of the recruiters from your doc. And then um, they ended up setting an in-person interview. uh, I think like a week later with the hiring manager for the team that I'd be working on and the sales director. Um, I think the first interview I had, it was definitely, it wasn't super close to where I was living. It was outside uh, one of the major cities. So it was like, a, I think it was about an hour and a half drive and very early in the morning also. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the first interview I met with the hiring manager. Um, I was expecting to do role play. Just it's a sales position. I was expecting to do role play. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't really happen um, much. Uh, Definitely like went into my experience and my success at the at the time my current position. Um, And then I met with the sales director. He had me do some brief role play, but it was really more just. walking through like my current sales pitch at at the company that I was working for. Um, Typically like the sales process at the the current company was a a phone and cold phone introduction and then setting up an in-person meeting. This was uh, a pre-pandemic obviously. Um, And um, once I had the interview, the initial interview with the sales director, he actually had me walk around and meet a couple of the managers on the other teams, um, like the business development team, which 
is where I actually ended up working. Uh, I'm sure we'll dive into that. But so I met that manager and I think I met the marketing director. Um, Definitely had really good conversations, really nice people. Um, Definitely like, you know, classic tech company, somewhat relaxed vibe, uh, but felt like they were still also getting things done. And now in my experience, when you're, you they introduce you to extra people during the interview process, that means it's gone fairly well. So did you feel fairly good about how things were going? Um, I both felt fairly good about how things were going and also, I guess, a little surprised. Um, I was, I had prepped a lot further for the interview than I felt like where the interview went. And like the biggest thing was definitely, I thought I was going to have a much more kind of, um, I don't know, thorough role-playing interview. And so was there, was today, was an offer come from that set of interviews or was there more that you had to go through? Um, I did have one more interview where I came and uh, met with the hiring manager, if I remember correctly, um, and said hello to a couple of people again. Um, and the the one thing, uh, the area where I was moving to is definitely has like a very, um, the rent is very competitive. And I remember that being something that actually stood out from my first interview was the hiring manager said like one of the prerequisites for coming back for the second interview was that I had found a place to rent before I had the second interview, (laughs) which I was a a little amused by, especially like I I grew up in Hawaii. I'm quite familiar with expensive rent and, um, and, low availability so it's just a little bit of amused by that and also that i wouldn't have already thought of that i already i think at the time had like five showings set up um so you didn't need to have a sign lease you just need to show that you were like actively like looking in the market yeah i don't think i ever like needed to show any paperwork but they just i i think they were legitimately expecting me to accept the job offer and then have nowhere to live <laughs> which I mean, I I do think I also kind of lucked out based on my timing. Um, it is definitely like also a heavy college area, and I think just like based on my timing, I, I started in March, and so I think the timing just worked out on my side. I don't know. So so once you got the offer, were you excited, or um, did you have other offers at the same time? Uh, I didn't have other offers. I was definitely very excited. My previous role on top of um, just not being fulfilling and not where I wanted to go, we were frankly running into issues. So I was definitely very excited for uh, the position. Um, I didn't have any offers. It was definitely, I would have liked to have had a couple of offers bounce off of each other, um, but just happened pretty quick. And I didn't, there wasn't anything else that I was actively looking at. So I just figured worst case scenario, I'll take this. And if something else comes along, then I'll go for that. Got it. So, but so would you say that it's, it was more about you were excited to be leaving your previous job as opposed to excited about your doc? Or was, there, was there excitement about your doc as well? I wouldn't say there was so much excitement about your doc. I mean, it, it seemed like a pretty decent company. I would say there's more excitement around the ownership from my doc. Um, and because your doc, I think, made up like between 8 to 10% of my doc's revenue. Um, so, yeah, um, in terms of 
your doc, the company that I was directly working for, it wasn't, I wasn't disappointed by the offer, but I wasn't particularly excited by it. Um, so I would say it was a combination of that and then also definitely excitement to leave my previous job. Are there any questions you wished you had asked during your interview process or things you learned about uh, your doc before accepting the role? Um, I wish I had been a lot more thorough about their onboarding expectations. Um, basically what I ended up running into was I had sales experience, but it wasn't really, I didn't have much training at all. And I was very upfront about that. Um, and, um, you know, it, it is a transition like with tech sales, most of the closing that you're doing is on the phone and with a demonstration of a software product. Mm-hmm. Whereas with my previous role, I largely just negotiated price and coordinating delivery of the product. I, I had like a technician who handled everything else. Um, so I, I wish I'd been more thorough about asking about their onboarding process because I didn't feel like I got the training that I could have benefited from. Um, and I, yeah, I think that would have been the main question I'd asked about, even if just so I could prepare myself better for learning to demo software beforehand. Got it. Now, uh, one question I have is, you know, I'm not, I'm not in sales, um, but you know, mm-hmm. at tech, I have worked at a variety of tech companies and it often feels like there's a very like, you know, high churn rate on salespeople that there's often just like get people in and, and then send them out. Is there anything about the interview process where it feels like, Oh, if you're sort of like the, they're not really committing to you, but they're just going to bring you in to see if you, if you can survive. Was there any sense of that? Um, a bit. I definitely, you know, I've only at this point worked at two comp- two tech companies um, and both of those experiences, like I didn't. Yeah. So yeah, the, the thing that uh, led me a little bit to feel like they were just putting me in to test me out and see what happened was um, like they were fully familiar with my sales background. And I think the sales director had another person that had left the pharmaceutical industry and joined tech and had been pretty successful and then had a couple of other people who had done the same thing and like totally flopped. Um, and he was very straightforward with me about that. So was that, was that the presented as a way to like try and have you convince him that you would be, you would not be a flop or he was just as a word of warning um both i mean that's why i was a little bit more surprised about the interview process that there wasn't a little bit more um like role playing uh like i was surprised that it wasn't even presented with a scenario like in the interview i was sort of presented with a a scenario related to your doc um but as my understanding goes like i feel like a lot of other companies present like specific scenarios and how you would handle that. And I was pretty surprised that I didn't get that. Um, but yeah, so uh, both in the interview and then also as a, as a kind of word of warning as well. Yeah. Mr. G, now that you, you've got the offer, you've accepted it. Tell us about that first month. Did you get any training at all or did they let you just uh, sink or and struggle to swim? Um. There were training resources. I will say, so the first month, I definitely got the impression that I was like following the path that they had, so to speak. Um, 
So yeah, they had some video training sessions on sales, which actually were very helpful in terms of the sales process and questioning. I'm trying to remember, as far as I remember, there wasn't really much training on the product. I had already done a fair amount of research on the product, just like I set up my account before I was supposed to someone, I'm sure I disappointed someone on the sales team by not being (laughs) the lead that they were hoping for. Um, But yeah, so the kind of product learning, there was a little bit of kind of like an outline of what I should focus on, but there wasn't any direct help on that front. Um, Definitely most of my training was from a colleague who was theoretically like at the same level as an account executive, but from the manager. Um, The manager would check in with me and was definitely like, I I did feel like for that first month that I was pretty well on track. Um, And I didn't necessarily know that I should have been asking for a lot more. Um, but in retrospect, I should have been asking for a lot more hands-on training from the manager. So, so your main buddy was kind of someone at your same level and that they were your go-to person to, to help you learn the ropes. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is like that person was very helpful. But I think also at the end of the day, that person is not responsible for my quota. That res- person is not responsible for determining if I'm up to par for the role. Um, and it, I think it would have been unfair for him, even though I did ask those questions, I think it would have been unfair to like really have him be the decider. Um, I'm sure to some extent he might've had some input. I'm not, I'm not sure what that looked like. Um, but yeah, most of my training was from that colleague. Um, and it, it definitely, while the training was definitely very helpful, it just, it didn't seem like there was even a connect between my colleague and the manager of like where I should be at. How many other people were at your level? I believe there were nine or 10 people on the account executive team at that point. It was also, the, yeah, the dynamics of the team were very interesting too, because um, they're, I, I don't know how accurate these accusations are. I'm a uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, I'm a white dude. Um, one of the people on the teams was a black wo- woman. Um, and she mentioned very vocally that uh, she had kind of like been placed where she felt like in a part of the office where she was like just shown off as a token person in tech, essentially. Um, and there, but at the same time, she was also in my opinion, like she would publicly, um, I think there's a a line between like disagreeing and telling off your manager publicly in front of like 50 to a hundred employees. And that happened at least four or five times where she flat out said like, she thought that the strategy of the sale, not even her manager, but the sales director was stupid. Um, so not to go too down, far down a rabbit hole, but there were just very interesting team dynamics with those nine people. That particular person ended up leaving within two months after me joining. Um, and then also there was another team member who had joined just before me who was, I think, probably about seven or eight years older than I was. Um, And 
that was also some of the weird direction. Like I kept getting direction from both my manager and the sales director to shadow this newer person because she seemed to do be doing pretty well. And the newer person didn't like feel like she was in a place to be handling me shadowing her. So it was, it was definitely, uh, yeah, there's just a little bit of dynamics that were hard to navigate. Yeah, it definitely sound, sounds like there's some tension uh, in the yeah. org. Oh, yeah. I, I would say at that particular point, there definitely was tension. Like, I've definitely been through other points where I didn't feel like there was that much tension. Like, I felt like the team was much healthier, but um, at that specific point, there was definitely tension on the team. And were you already expected to carry a quota in your first month? No, so my quota didn't start until, I think it didn't start until the second month, um, which in retrospect, that's definitely, I don't think they would have negotiated on that, but I'm thinking that's also probably something I would have at least tried to negotiate um, because at least from my understanding and having watched very successful team members onboard onto that team, like six months <laughs> is a much more reasonable expectation. But yeah, so I had like a, a guaranteed commission for the first month. Um, I think the second month guarantee commission wasn't quite like quota based off of sales, but like based off of success of um, like preparing yourself for the sales role. And then the third month was uh, fully based off of you meeting quota. Were there any other red flags that you noticed in your first month? No, I mean, I, one thing I was a little confused about was I didn't have a clear understanding of what the revenue of our specific company was because it was owned by a much a larger company. So it was definitely a little bit unclear as to like where we stood and where we were going. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, for the first month that was definitely unclear, but I think that's also regardless, even if you have a clear understanding, there's just in a new job, there's a lot of information coming at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And was there any other impressions of your colleagues you had? Were you all, it sounded like you were pretty separate most of the time. But was there, did you get to interact much with them? Um, yes. And to be frank, actually, like I got in a little bit of trouble for interacting too much. I kind of thought, I mean, one of the reasons that I joined the company was I wanted camaraderie and colleagues at, at my previous role. It was just me, myself, and I and my manager. Um, and I, in the beginning, like the sales director did mention like, you know, you need to get to know everyone's names because you're going to be working across many different teams to get these sales done. Um, and I guess I took that a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, there, there definitely were some, I guess, corporate lessons for myself that I learned. Like there's definitely like corporate growing up on my end that happened for sure. Um, but I don't, Yeah. Can you mind doing a little bit like more in detail on that? Like, were what was this? Were you like infringing on other people's time and sort of like that was viewed as then preventing them from getting their job done? Or yeah, um, yeah, and I think it was, I think it was just like kind of like going back to the like we'll see if you can float. I think it was just kind of like a result of the situation that I couldn't float, 
Um, and I think that like, if I, if I had been more successful, then I don't think it would have been as big of an issue. But so basically what happened was I, um, going through my transition because I did transition from an account executive to a business development rep, um, which also just to clarify was the original position that I had applied for. I originally applied for a business development rep and they hired me as an A, which at the time I wasn't upset about. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, what happened was my second month was when there was like that demo practice and I did get to practice both watching and um, kind of presenting um, a couple of demos with that colleague that I was shadowing Um and I, I definitely should have asked more questions to be clear, but it was also not clear the process. I thought like my first demo was basically just a demo to see where you're at, and then we'll like we'll coach you to improve. Um, and I definitely the first demo was basically just to make sure that I could like had everything down and was ready to go and sell. So there's definitely a disconnect on my side and from the management side of like where I thought I was supposed to be and where I actually needed to be. And I found that out very quickly after the first demo did not go so well. Um, they like immediately put me on a performance improvement plan. Um, and then two weeks later, in bit of an improved demo, but just not where they wanted me. I, I think they probably knew two weeks before that they were like pretty well set up. They wanted me to transition to a different role. Um, and yeah. And then they, they offered me the, um, the business development role. And they said like, if I didn't want to take it and I wanted to go take another job that they understood, but that they did really appreciate, like, um, I forget how they phrase it, but basically that I meshed well, uh, on like a social level with the team and they would like to still have me at the company. Um, and basically, you know, it would just be like 12 months. And then if I, as long as I was performing, then I could be on the account executive team. Um, I ended up just taking that role again because of the ownership from, um, I guess my doc or your doc. Um, and also, like that was my initial approach to switching into tech sales was to start as a BDR and just like, first of all, get like legitimate sales training and, you know, spend a year working my way from the bottom up. So even though I was definitely very disappointed to be like transitioning down, that was originally my plan in the first place. So it just felt like it made sense to continue with the company that for the most part, like most of the people, even though I felt like, some of the management was very unclear on the specific sales team. Um, I felt like overall it was still an, a, a pleasant place to work. So I ended up taking the BDR role. Got it. It seemed, yeah, it definitely seems like management very unclear and lacking transparency. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it was, it, there's definitely a lack of transparency. Like at least from my perspective, I was definitely confused about where things were at. I definitely wasn't like looking back, I wasn't ready for that particular role. And um, 
I thought I was going to get more training for that particular role. Um, but the process definitely could have been better. <laughs> yeah. And so when, when you transitioned to the BDR role, what were you spending the majority of your work day on? Um, making cold calls. Um, yeah, that was basically the majority of my day was making cold calls uh, to lawyers to tell them why. I mean, you know, obviously the, the sales process was a lot more kind, but essentially, like, if you think about the legal industry, they are very slow to change, understandably, because they're in the industry that if you do something wrong, like, it will come back for you. Um, but... Uh, and then on top of that, also the the ABA, the American Bar Association, had I think at least until 2010 or 2012 had actively been pushing against technology. Um, so there's definitely was this mindset that um, from lawyers that they weren't even allowed to be using technology. But yeah, so my day to day basically looked like making 75 calls. Um, I'd probably get between five to 10 decision makers on the phone per day. And um, I think I'm trying to remember at the time because our quota changed. I think our quota was setting up a total of 10 demos for the month. Um, the first month I actually did really well. I started halfway through the month and I set up six demos. Um, I was like, uh, at least in the halfway point of the team, the business development team at the time. So definitely, even though the transition didn't feel great, I definitely felt like I was in the right place and doing the right thing when I started. Um, but yeah, I, and I guess like more specifically in terms of like how, what my workflow looked like once I kind of really got a hang of things. Um, typically like at the start of my day, the first thing I did was check my email to see if anyone had gotten back to me, uh, with a positive reply, definitely get many negative replies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the first thing was to check, uh, if I had gotten back any positive replies, the second thing was just to make sure I had my schedule set up correctly for the day make a check if I had any demos. Um, if I did have any demo scheduled, I would touch base with the account executive to make sure that they could still take the, the meeting and what the expectations were for the call. And then once I had gotten through that process, I would probably spend between like, mm, well, actually usually at that point of the day, because we were still in the office, we would have uh, our, an entire team meeting at the beginning of the day and, um, it was basically like a, a warm up meeting um, to process, uh, practice um, answering or handling objections, basically. Um, so we'd have our meeting. Uh, sometimes we would uh, review things that marketing had done for us in the meeting or you know, give a shout out to different team members for having a particularly good demo. Um, and then probably about eight i'm doing the math because i know sometimes we change at times but i think usually by nine in the morning i would be making cold calls um if i could get some calls in earlier either because the meeting was shorter or i managed to just get on the phone before the meeting i would start with the east coast right away just um because we were not based in eastern time um and then I 
would sometimes do a bit of research on the companies. It was usually pretty quick. Eventually, once I got into my flow, um, I basically would just get a set of um, leads assigned to me uh, in our Salesforce system. I think like usually I'd have 200 at a time and I'd just go call whoever was next on the list. And this, of course, was the time, as you mentioned, where you're still going to the office. Was it an open office? Was it lively? What was the, the vibe of it? <laughs> um, there were very few walls in that office. <laughs> um, I think the only, yeah, the only walls I can really remember were for like a couple of conference rooms and uh, the VP of the company. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely an open floor concept. <laughs> I remember... It, at the time, I think when I had first started, we were sitting right next to marketing. <laughs> marketing doesn't spend a lot of time talking on the phone and is trying to concentrate. And so I know they moved different teams around quite a few times. And I think um, it just kind of became clear that most of the people in that particular building were just on the phones all the time. But yeah, so I mean, it was... Um, you know, kind of somewhat typical of a tech company. There's a ping pong room. I definitely would take afternoon breaks with other team members to play ping pong, especially if people bailed on our demos. Um, always <laughs> a fun time. Uh, there's a kitchen. Um, there are actually two kitchens just on our floor. Um, you know, I usually would, I wouldn't say to cook an elaborate meal, but I would usually like cook something simple and bring it in. But there were tons of snacks, drinks. I remember the thing I was most excited about when I started was they had the uh, C2O coconut water brand in the fridge. Um, and I definitely had a fair amount of that right at the start. But um, yeah, so it definitely felt like a, at least from my expectation, having never worked in a tech office before, like a classic kind of um tech vibe um mm -hmm. it had a little bit still of a startup vibe even though like the the parent company again was much bigger um and then the uh your doc was i think at the time roughly around like 75 80 people um and we were in the same building as the parent company too so like I would walk right across the hallway and the, there would be like the parent company's um, customer support team. Um, so it was kind of nice also to have that like cross-reference because that was where I was intending to go at the time. Mm -hmm. um, just because they're, first of all, the number of positions on the other teams was a lot greater. And also um, it seemed a bit easier to sell on the other teams as well. Yeah. Did the other teams of the, the parent company have better benefits or a better kitchen or anything like that? Um, not visibly within the office. Um, I think compensation was different. Like I, I think like BDR to BDR, the compensation was definitely a bit different. Um, but in terms of in the offices, we were visibly treated equally. Just curious. I was curious that there was a tension there. Uh, uh yeah, I would say like there wasn't a visible tension, but I think that there definitely, even from leadership at um, your doc, there was definitely a bit of a tension of like, you know, you need the you need the the cash resources to grow, and there was the growth 
like the leadership could show that the growth was doable. Um, but I think it just, the growth potential was nowhere near as high as the growth potential with the parent company. So I think they just didn't see the ROI and it didn't make sense for them to put money into, into your doc. And what is the thing you're most professionally proud of that you achieved at your doc? Probably like one of the bigger deals that our team sourced at the time. Um, so when we were sourcing deals, I think our quota, I'm trying to remember how, because our deal sizes were typically like, it was based per user. And we were typically working with law firms between three to 10 employees. Um, even getting to 10 was like, it wasn't a huge deal, but it was definitely like you got at least a shout out. And I remember that I sourced a deal with um, 21 employees. And I definitely remember doing the math. Like once my coworker, my colleague on the account executive team, who actually was the one that was training me, he was the one that took that deal and I remember doing the math when he told me that the deal closed and realizing that I had kind of like broken past the break-even point of like my cost to the company. So I was definitely like pretty proud of that once I realized that like the company was essentially benefiting from having me there. That's awesome. That, that is something to be proud of. And then what was, was there any other days that were super memorable to you? Yeah, um, some good, some bad. Um, we definitely, like, there definitely were some, like, big growth achievements that happened, but it wasn't on our team. So it was more on the payment side, um, which, like, at the time, anyways, I, I think there were two people dedicated to the payments team, and I think they were kind of bringing in... Um, somewhat equivalent numbers just because of like the functionality uh like the two people were bringing in similar numbers to the 10 people sourcing all of the new business just because of the functionality of how payments works um so it was definitely like it was a good thing it felt good for a company like we were achieving milestones in other departments and it's not that our department at the time wasn't doing well but it did just feel like the greater potential was on other teams. Um, so I definitely remember like some of those milestones, like for the most part, we did achieve those milestones, but they definitely seemed, again, like the leadership would have liked to have set much bigger milestones, but just didn't have the resources to do it. Um, and then, so those were the positive ones. I do remember also like, you know, sales is hard. Uh, even when I was doing really well, sales was hard. I remember like the first month that I didn't make quota, which um, first of all, like our, a decent amount of our team would make quota at some point, but it was definitely not easy to do. Um, but I remember like the first time that I didn't make quota still, like I remember the end of the month, it was close to my dad's birthday and um, the one deal that was supposed to get me the quota like ended up bailing. And I just, uh, I said, it. I was like, well, this sucks. It, it really, in the scheme of things, wasn't that big of a deal, but I just had such ambitious goals to be the first person to move over to the account executive team from the BDR team. Um, and I knew that like kind of for sure guaranteed that wasn't going to happen. Um, so it definitely was like, 
at the time a big bummer. Um, um, and then the, the other thing though was like being in the sales team, it, it is really hard. Overall, I was definitely one of the top performers. And I do remember trying to help other people who were struggling um, because even when you're a top performer, sales isn't easy. And it definitely sucks when you're not, but when you're towards the bottom of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were many, in the two years I was on that BDR team, I think like the total size of our team was usually around 10. And I think I saw a total of maybe like 15 people join the team. And I feel like at least seven or eight of them leave the team. Um, just because they couldn't perform and some of them it wasn't by choice and i remember most specifically the first time that happened and one of my colleagues had been on and off not that i was like necessarily supposed to be aware of this but i knew that he was on and off performance plans for i think like six months um and i sat right next to him like i knew he was not happy even when he was succeeding and I knew he just, he didn't feel good about like the job in general. Um, and it definitely like, he was a nice person and it also was a total like energy suck. Like no one on the team wanted to see him leave. And also after he left, everyone on the team definitely felt like a little bit of a weight was lifted. And I definitely remember that very specifically. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think it speaks to sales. Um, I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the things that I do like about sales. Like I did not vibe well with finance. Like I can do Excel. I hate it so much. Um, but with sales, at least in these roles that I've had, first of all, I really enjoy talking to people and also like you're, I mean, you know, in certain sales role, you definitely coordinate a lot more with other people, but at the end of the day, your work speaks for itself. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's really hard. And also, like, I've talked to so many people who either have been considering sales or who have left sales. And, like, the thing I always try and drive home for them is just, like, first of all, like, I haven't always been successful in sales. Uh, but when I see people who like are very defeated when they leave sales, I try and remind them that sales is brutal and there are many other jobs out there that one are much more friendlier than sales can potentially even pay better than sales. And like, just because this one job didn't work for you doesn't reflect on you in any way, shape or form. It just means that this was not a good choice. That's all. One, one question I have on, um, you know, you mentioned like not made, making your quota the one time realizing like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to become an, or this isn't the best way to become an account executive. Was there anything else from management about, you know, was there like sort of any repercussions of not making the quota? Um, not too much. There was disappointment from my direct manager, mostly just because I think he wanted me to succeed. I will mm-hmm. say my direct manager on the business development team, he like really stuck out his neck for me. Um, in many situations. Um, so yeah, that was a good experience. But, um, in terms of like that, like over the course of the two years I was there, I probably missed quota. Trying to remember it was at least three months. I don't think there were too many more months above that. Um, 
But yeah, aside from like management, like it was just a clear conversation. My boss, like he was kind about it, but he also just like, he made it clear. He's like, yeah, it probably like puts you behind a bit on how fast like you get to account executive because when I first started, like there's a possibility as a BDR, there's a possibility of like just moving back up after six months. And after that particular month, he was like, well, it's going to take a bit longer after that. Um, but aside from that, um, and the kind of like the, the initial slight delay, like it still only seemed like it was an extra couple of months before a potential promotion. Um, and then like, it was a little bit less in commission, but aside from that, there were no big repercussions in your, in your time there. Did anyone move from a BDR to become an account executive? Yeah, so two people did move to BDR to an accounting executive. Um, I know for both of them, it was pretty hard. Um, I remember they basically, as far as I'm aware, had a similar onboarding experience as I did. I have friends who work at other companies like Salesforce who have been on sales teams. And they were like, I was talking to them about the onboarding process and they were kind of... um, a bit perplexed uh, about like the process. Like typically it doesn't always make, I mean, I don't know if there's a typical in sales, but at least the way that I would have liked to have transitioned from a BDR to an account executive would be like, you get small enough accounts that don't qualify for our sales team to practice on. And then like, once you start closing some of those, then you get promoted. Like, and I, I know some companies do that. And I think it would have made things a lot easier, both for management as well as the potential to move up in the company um, if they had done that. Um, That being said, it's like, I know those conversations happen on the managerial level. And I just always kind of wondered why that like wasn't something that was tried because I know like I was much closer with the second person from our team that moved up from a BDR to an account executive role and it sounded equally as stressful as my experience, even though like the only difference was they managed to like produce, have the opportunity to produce and were doing a little bit. But I think it was just, yeah, the two people that transitioned directly to the BDR from BDR to account executive role those happened within three months of each other. So one was in December and one, I guess it like was finalized in June. So the first person to move from our team was in December of 2019. And then the second person was in either May or June of 2020. Um, And then no one got promoted from that role at all in the time that I was there for the next year. Over that next year, how are you then feeling about your your position at your doc where you're not seeing you know any of your colleagues move up and are you wondering about your own chances of moving up at that point? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even in December when the first person moved up, I had a conversation with my boss and I said like, look, I want to be the next one. At that point, I'd been like pretty successful, like staying either at quota or close to quota. And I, I knew there was like one or two people that were slightly outperforming me and I wanted to um, 
perform at least one or two months uh, ahead of them. And I did that uh, in January and February. Um, and then my colleague ended up getting promoted. And it, it was a little tough for me, to be honest, because I was pretty close with that other colleague. Um, like we hung out a lot and um, definitely like relied on each other. Um, and she was younger than me. And so it did feel, even though like it was totally ego on my part, like when you average out the number, she did perform better than me. Um, it did feel like a slap in the face uh, when she got promoted. Um, but I mean, also sales speaks for itself. So when she ended up getting promoted, I again went to my boss and was like, I want to be next in line. And at that point he said, look, like you are clearly the next person in line like just continue doing the work um and this like that conversation was happening like right towards the beginning of covid um at that point we had like just gotten gone remote um i continued to do pretty well at that point like I, we had been promoted or i think it was myself and my other colleague who had gotten uh promoted to an accounting executive but at that point i had moved up from a level one BDR to essentially a level three BDR. Um, so I did get a little bit of a pay bump. My boss definitely let me know, like I was in a good place. Um, and at that point I was also having a conversation with my boss about working on um, the parent company sales team, because mm -hmm. he just felt like that's where he came from. He felt like their growth team would be a really good fit for me. And um, he, was really pushing that. And I was like, okay, like if that's going to be easier for me and I'm going to make more money, like that's where I want to focus and I'm going to just keep producing and um, kept producing. And I remember like it got into the late summer and thing I told him, like, I was like, I'm not looking around at anything yet, but like if opportunities don't open up, like I'm going to go, you know, start taking a look elsewhere. And he said like that, made sense to him um and then in september of 2020 a private equity company came along it was very abrupt i don't think as far as i'm aware uh the leadership at uh your your doc um as far as i'm aware they had like a couple of days extra heads up than us about the private equity like the parent company definitely made its own decision as far as I'm aware, didn't really inform too many people. And then like, I think we had like between 10 and 15 days before we were acquired. And Got, when we so, found out. So, so my doc sold off your doc. So that, that, yeah, that, that potential opportunity to work for the parent company went away without, without sale then. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I could not work for the parent company for three years. Um, if I was still working at your doc. So oh, wow. that was, I definitely like talked with my boss and it was like a huge WTF. And to be frank, like, I think my boss felt the same way. Like my boss spent most of his time working at my docs, uh, the parent company. And I think, and even a lot of the sales directors, like I think a lot of them, or there's only one sales director, but a lot of the leadership, I think also felt like a bit of a slap in the face. Like it, it, they handled it pretty well. And, you know, I know leadership has to put on the face, but I think emotionally they were very upset about it. Um, 
And then also like, you know, getting acquired by a private equity company. Like the first thing you do is go and Google the private equity company and see if you still have a job. Um, And I remember Googling them like literally at work. I didn't care if I made the number of calls that I needed to that day. I don't think my boss cared. I remember Googling them and still kind of being up in the air because this particular private equity company like definitely had a reputation for with some of their companies like gutting companies and like just kind of selling pieces off and then other ones they took public so it was definitely a 50 50 of like where is this going um and there were of course reassurances from leadership but i don't really remember feeling even confident about the stability of your doc until like January, February of 2021. So, so from the announcement of the acquisition to, to January of 2021, were you, did you start looking for another role or were you just sort of biding your time and crossing your fingers? Um, a little bit of both. I wasn't actively searching for other roles, um, partially just because I was making an okay amount of money. I was like, I wasn't struggling. Like I was the top performer on the team by a long shot at that point. Uh, for the most part, um, I had a good relationship with my manager, so I definitely like got a little comfy. And at the same time, I did you know get LinkedIn requests for interviews for AE positions, account executive positions. I definitely took them. Um, at that point, I was not very <laughs> clear about the future with your docs. Like it just did not feel very stable. And I was like, I want another job in the back pocket, even if it's the same position, because I'm pretty, I feel very confident with, you know, my capabilities in that position. Um, And I interviewed for another company. Um, They, that was one of the other things. They had a very strict plan of like, if you meet X benchmarks over the course of a 12 month period, you automatically get considered for account executive. Like there's no wishy-washy. And basically at that point, you know, as long as there's not stronger competition, you probably get that position. I felt very confident both like with um, a lot of those different metrics that they were providing, um, but their product, it it was a good product. It just felt very easily replicable. Um, and so I ended up turning that down. And at that point, that was like at the very beginning of January, 2021. And I did, uh, have a conversation with my boss because one of my other colleagues who was a pretty decent performer, um, left for a different sales role, um, And so at that point, I did have a conversation with my boss and basically pointed out like, hey, I perform better than this other person. They were able to get a much higher paying account executive job. Like, this is definitely kind of like, unless you find a position for me, this is going to happen in the next couple of months. And he, at that point, asked me to hold on. We had sort of had discussions about, there was like a new sales department in the growth division. Um, and it definitely had a conversation about like, I think you'd be a good fit, but they're hiring a new manager. And then I think like the second or third week in January, they hired a new manager for that team. And he said he'd like put in a word to like 
not quite have an interview with her, but like a get to know you introduction. Mm-hmm. And after a week went by, I basically told him pretty straightforward. I have a really good relationship with him. I was like, look, I don't want to wait for just an introduction. Like I'm going to reach out to her. What is the most appropriate way? Because it's going to happen. Like I'm going to do it. What is the way that you feel most comfortable with? So at that point, he like did a pointed introduction to that person. And I know he was also considering doing the same for someone else. Um, but I think I was a bit more pushy about it. And I think also I was just more confident about it because I was performing better. Um, and I had a really good discussion with that hiring manager. Um, she really seemed to know what she was doing on the growth team. Um, and then... Um, at that point, I think it was like mid late February and one of my, uh, friends from college was working at the current company I'm working at and said like, Hey, this company is amazing. We have some open positions. Can I put your name in? And I was like, sure. Like, I'm not going to say no to that. And, uh, the interviews went really well. I found out it was actually, it was for still a business development position, but it was in a market that was, um, it was just way bigger sales. And I was selling to like serious sweet, sweet at like fortune 500 companies instead of like a lawyer at a three person law firm. Right. So Um, much better experience. Much better experience. It also seemed like it was a lot less stressful. Uh, like at this point, I've like I'm making 75 calls a day. I can't even tell you. I've made like tens of thousands of, of calls at your doc. Um, and at this new company, like the most I was asked to make was 25 calls, and that only lasted for a week because uh, just kind of like gold changes. Um, at this point, like. I probably make, I don't know, 25 to 40 calls in a week and they're very strategic and I like work through them with a VP. Like at my current job, I'm only talking with VPs for the most part, both internally and externally. Um, So yeah, it was just like once I got offered that job and at this point it was like the second week of March and I was like, there's no way, like I haven't had an interview yet internally like my boss at the time had asked me to wait till the second quarter. And I was like, we're basically already there. And like, I feel like I got strung along for almost an extra year than I should have. Um, so. so when you told your, your manager about the other offer, did he try to convince you to stay? <laughs> it was, uh, the short answer is no, but I'll dive into why. So, um, I'm trying to remember the order of things. I like earlier in the week that I knew I was getting the offer letter. Uh, I forget exactly what happened, but there was a family emergency. Like my boss had just finished moving to a new place, like house. And then he had a family emergency. I was like, great. So I just got this new offer. I do want to keep a good relationship with my old manager and I get to, and, and on top of that, I didn't get two weeks, uh, for, to start my new job. So I was going to give like a week and a half notice. And, um, so he was basically out of the office. So I called his boss just to say like, 
hey, I want to let someone know just so the process can start and I'm providing as much notice as possible. And also, like, our boss is out of the office on this emergency. I don't want to bother him with this stuff right now. And um, so that person, uh, so that was the marketing director, he did have a pretty frank conversation with me about why I was leaving. And at the time, I did sort of think there was a bit of a title change, but I told him mostly, like, you know, compensation, like the yeah. amount that I'm getting compensated now is on par with what some of the account executives are getting paid at my old company. Um, and he has some like other basic other exit interview type of things, but he was also on the way I found out to his <laughs> snowboarding vacation. <laughs> so we kept that pretty quick. Um, so it's just like it, it wasn't at all how I wanted to leave the company. Um, and then later my boss came back into the office and I sent him a message basically being like, I'm pretty sure you know already, but just wanted to let all of you, like all of this information, like in writing to you. And sorry, like it's such last minute notice. And he slacked me real quick, basically saying like, first of all, super happy for you. We'll connect. Um, just really busy right now coming back. And then once we did connect, he was basically like, he he just felt like he did it. Like it wasn't a failure on his part because he trained me well enough for like the essential promotion that I was getting. Um, and so I think he was definitely bummed um, because that basically meant that there were two one decent performer and then a top performer that left over the course of like two months, essentially. Um, and so I think it really spurred uh, some necessity for hiring for the BDR team, um, which is not really the position I wanted to put him in, but also I, I he's said many times to me too, even, you know, I need to look out for my own paycheck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it, it was definitely a very short and bizarre exit process for sure. Um, how how did your colleagues react? Um, most of them across different teams were, you know, sad to see me go. I did connect with uh, a lot of the account executives that I like trained with originally when I I was like hired as an account executive. I did have one or two of them basically say that like they felt I got put in the unfair position um, when I switched to the BDR role. And they said like, they just didn't see how management was going to hire me back to the account executive team, which I get. And also like, I wish someone had just said that outright. Um, and I, I get also that management can't box themselves into positions, but it would have just been much more helpful for my career to know that instead of just, I mean, you know, I know they want a top performer sourcing new business as long as they can, but from the top level leadership and, and you know, this is all speculation from uh, other account executives, but I did feel like that was the case and they just wouldn't say it. Um, so that part was definitely a bit of a bummer. And then at the same time, like that same person who was in charge of like, whether or not I could move up, the director of sales did message me on LinkedIn saying like, hey, like, I think you have a great career ahead of you and um, essentially best of luck, which I appreciated. 
but I was also like very frustrated by <laughs> because it was like I felt like you know you hired me on to, like the sales director at the end of the day is in charge of all of these things and I just felt like you hired me onto this team didn't provide the training resources put me on a different team and then are bummed to see me leaving because you wouldn't rehire me onto the account executive team it's just it did feel like I was I don't know if it was even intentional or not, but it felt like I was being played with. Right. But it felt like if, you know, if you really cared, you could, you had two years to like do something you, about it. Yeah. You literally have the decision-making power to do something about it. Um, and it's like, you know, in the long run, no hard feelings to that right. particular individual, but it definitely was very frustrating uh, in terms of my career path. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, we've come to the, our favorite ending closing <laughs> question. So if we had a time machine and you can go back to March of 2019 and you have that offer from your doc, would you still take it? Yeah, I definitely would still take it. I probably would have approached it a lot different knowing what I know now. But my goal going into that role was to, first of all, have a stable job. And second of all, to get into the tech industry as a sales rep with... um, with sales curriculum that I could reference under my belt. I definitely got more than that. Like I got some really good training from my manager. Um, I think probably the thing I might've done differently um, is just uh, applied for other jobs a lot sooner, like probably 12 to 13 months in instead of 24. Um, But I am very grateful to be at my new role. It's definitely, I'm learning a lot more. Um, Not that money is everything, but I'm getting paid a lot more. Like, I I think I'll use it in percentages just because it was a big deal for me. It's definitely the most that I've ever made. It was like close to a 40% pay change. Um, So it was just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, making that change. And on top of that, like the percent that is commission is very small. <laughs> um, and my current, uh, we refer to them as monthly business objectives, are so easily achievable. Like I definitely feel like I've sourced a lot of great opportunities already three months into my new role. And I feel like I'm, my my current manager is very clear both about like what my goals are to become an account executive or sales rep and has been putting me in positions where I can pitch directly to literally VPs at these big companies and is continuing to put me in situations where I learn closing techniques and get, um, essentially get the numbers onto my resume that show that I can do it too. So it's definitely, it's been a journey to say the least. Uh, Certainly a lot of your doc's experience was uh, negative, but also a lot of it was very helpful towards my career. Um, And I think also to wrap up, I, I don't, I don't think they're doing terribly at the moment, but just kind of peripherally from what I hear through the grapevine, it does sound like things are leveling off a bit and there's a little bit more struggle in um, 
acquiring new business. And so I feel like even just sticking with your docs, um, even if I got a pay raise, it wouldn't have necessarily been the best career move just with the direction of your docs versus the direction of the current company I'm at, which is definitely has a lot of really great things going for it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like everything is an improvement because, you know, and also you're mentioning going from 75 calls a day to, to 25 to 40 a week. That, that, that seems like just so much more um, manageable. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's more manageable, but it's, I think the more important part is it's way more engaging. Like when you're making 75 calls a day, you're basically just waiting for someone to pick up the phone and do your best job at repeating the thing, not repeating the exact same things. Of course, you adapt to different situations, but at the end of the day, you're making 75 calls a day and sometimes you get robotic. Um <laughs> I mean, if you're a good sales rep, you minimize that, but it it does happen even to the best of us. And I think with this job, like I, not only am I making so many less calls, but I'm having much more thoughtful conversations with the people that I'm, with the customers that I'm uh, connecting with. And I'm also, I'm involved very heavily in a lot of strategy around uh, researching markets, researching target clients, um, and understanding different businesses within the same industry in a way that we change our pitches. And I feel like that's just so much more valuable than being able to tell an attorney that they can probably save, you know, earn an extra, you know, $5,000 a month. Like it's cool, but it's just like not particularly profound. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I'm glad uh, that you were able to move up in the world. Me too. It's definitely uh, been a journey and, you know, there, there are always ups and downs with any job, but I'm definitely very appreciative for my current role. Um, my manager especially is, I will keep shouting her out. She is very supportive and has the capability to put me in the training that I want. Yeah. Mr. G, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for uh, coordinating this uh, finally and definitely looking forward to uh, seeing it out in the wild. <laughs> wow, that's another great episode. Steven, what stood out for you? Yeah, Jake, I think the weirdest part of this was the fact that Mr. G got hired for a position above the role he ended up getting. And just kind of what would, like, that's like me just getting hired as VP of product when I apply to be a product manager somewhere. And it just like, I, it's very strange. I've never been in that situation. Yeah. You know, on, on the one hand, you would think it's sort of a red flag of like, why are you offering me this job above what I applied for? But I would totally take the higher role too, because what an ego boost, right? You think, oh, maybe in two years I can work hard and become an account executive and they're offering it to me right away. Of course you would take it. Oh, totally. I think my ego would also get in the way and I would also totally take the job only to probably be upset at the end result, just kind of how things turned out for Mr. G there. But, you know, maybe at the company, it was just a complex bait and switch. Like maybe they weren't getting anyone to apply for the BDR position. 
So they just had a bunch of people apply to be an AE. And then just after it wasn't working out, they just demoted them back to the position they needed more heads for. You know, I'd be, you know, at that point, like you're really probably just too embarrassed to like restart your job search at that point after you already got a quote unquote promotion. Like you really don't want to go back out there being like, oh, I got demoted. Um, right. Having to, tell your fam- having to tell your family and friends like, oh, I, I only lasted two months in this job. You just much easier to say like, oh, I just, uh, there was a reorg and now I'm doing this other thing. Yeah, totally. What stood, what stood out for you, Jake? Being in sales is really hard. And what struck me specifically about Mr. G's uh, circumstances is that he had a quota in the second month on the job. And I just think about all the jobs that I've had. And my second month, like, I still don't know, like, what I'm doing at all. I don't know, you know, who's responsible for what. Or it's really just like you're, you're still in that faking it stage. And so to have your salary dependent on this when you're still so new and still overwhelmed by the role, that's really tough. And the thing about quotas, Jake, it's not just that second month he had to worry about it. He had to worry about it every single month for his career uh, at the company the entire time. And the other big thing is that, you know, in order to hit that quota, you know, I had that experience doing cold calling and it's tough. The amount of people that he had to call every single week to try and get uh, people to sign up. Whew. Yeah, I know. I think it was like 75 per week. And, you know, nowadays, like I never use the phone. Like maybe... Maybe I make 75 calls a year, and that's really just my parents. And I think about like the amount of anxiety I get just calling my parents. I can't imagine calling complete strangers, trying to convince them to, to buy my software. Uh, it's really, yeah, it's, uh, credit to Mr. G and all the salespeople out there. Can you imagine if we had to get, our, our, if we had to get listeners by cold calling them? Oh, it would not work out well. They would hang up as soon as they heard our voice or just not pick up as well because you know that's how I treat cold calls today with a caller ID. But you know what? You won't expect a call from us uh, in the next month with our next episode because we're not going to force you to listen to it or try to force you to listen to it. But if you do listen to it, Jake and I will deeply appreciate it. So stay tuned for the next episode whenever it drops. Thanks for listening.